listening to Nightlight. Hi, and welcome to this special edition of Nightlight, in which we're going to hear the life story of Edwan, who spent 11 years as an extremely successful banker in the city of London before returning to his native South Africa, where he met a Christian belly dancer who not only brought him to Jesus, but they also got married. It's a fascinating story, especially as the belly dancer was none other than Tina Yamaguchi, now Tina Cap, who worked with us in Uganda for quite a few years before moving to South Africa around six years ago. Nightlight's interview of the week. And in fact, it's Tina's voice that you heard on that jingle, as well as quite a few of our Nightlight jingles and sweepers. So, how did she come to meet Edwan belly dancing in a Turkish restaurant in Johannesburg, South Africa. Well, you'll find out on this program. You'll also hear what it's like to live the lifestyle of a top banker as you hear Edwan's testimony on this special edition of Nightlight. But first, let's start with one of my favorite songs from Michael Fogarty, who has found something better to do. Cross 
And that's Michael Fogarty, who found something better to do with his life than he was doing before, as has our guest on Nightlight today. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Edwin, thanks so much for being with us on the program today and for sharing your story. Well, yes, I was born and raised in Cape Town in South Africa, schooled in South Africa, Mm -hmm. studied very much in South Africa as well, both in Cape Town and Johannesburg. Originally qualified as a lawyer or barrister and then worked for several years in Johannesburg with a strong wish, I think, really to to go into the banking world and, Mm -hmm. and to finance and had the opportunity granted to me when I was in my late 20s, really, to go to the city of London. How did that come about? That was really, I think, also a consequence of the work I did as as a barrister. I became uh, a consultant or an advisor to corporates in Johannesburg and became involved quite a bit in in work in Africa, project work and long-term development of infrastructure projects so roads and rail and dams and electricity and energy and that has some similarities actually quite a bit of similarity with certain types of finance and banking merchant banking as it were and that really gave me the opportunity to look at at what came up as it were what became apparent as, as opportunities and yes for hopefully I think reasons of some past experience and a fair bit of good luck I was given the opportunity and that tied in very much with what I wanted to do in any case in in banking and seized the opportunity. I think I was young enough to be fearless enough, I think, or uninformed enough to to grab it and move to to London and then, yes, subsequent to that, spent nearly 12 years in the city of London working in in finance as a banker. And, yes, and then studied some more and, and, and carried on doing some further uh, involvement and further development in, in uh, Western Europe and the UK. So really spent that time of my life very much outside of South Africa. Well, that's very interesting. Edwin, for those of us who are a little unclear about what it means to be a banker, maybe you could explain a little bit about the world of banking, the lifestyle of a banker, the pressures involved. Well, I think as, as, as a banker, maybe to, to start thinking back on, on what we recently discussed and spoke about and is to say that in banking, I think there are three levels of banking very much. You, you get what is called a corporate banker, and that's very much someone that you could compare to the banker you, would, you and I would have as an individual, where you go to a branch and you speak to a person at the bank and you say, I need a loan for a home or a car, or I need an overdraft, or I need just some assistance with running my banking, banking business. So that's more, as, as we call it, a relationship banker, someone that walks with you on a daily basis and, and assists you. And then you get an investment banker, someone that really, as the name suggests, would, yes, invest your money and spend your money hopefully wisely and, and assist you in how best to build your business, invest your debt or, or really deal with your debt and your investments depending on the markets. And those are the ones that you really have a relationship with as it were and as it relates to the markets and investments and investment portfolios. And then you get what is called a merchant banker who is someone, I think, quite opportunistic by nature and is similar to what I did, which is a person that sits and follows the markets, looks at the markets, looks at the client, says that the client's involved in a specific sector. He's maybe a mining company. And in that sector at that time, there are certain pressures pushing the markets down or the markets up. And depending on that, the client might want to expand its business or sell some of its business or restructure its business. 
and for that it might very well use and require funding as well so it becomes a package deal so depending on that you have different levels of involvement but the truth is very much as, as a banker you work for the client you're there at the beck and call of the client and with the financial sector priding itself on the fact that it never sleeps unfortunately that's mm-hmm. similar to what a banker does or doesn't do you never really have time off you're quite committed 24/7 because the business of the client runs on that basis and you need to be available so it is time consuming and it is, takes a great deal of commitment simply on on time um, and availability because that's really how you sell yourself to a client that you are indeed there mm. whenever he needs you mm-hmm. And basically, the, you work for them to make them money. You, you, you invest their money, and then you make a profit, and then you get a percentage of the profit. Is that That's right? correct. You're, as, a, as a banker, you work very much, or the benefit to work as a banker is, is very much one where you, you gain as much as your client gains. Your personal income, your personal wealth, which is based in the banking sector on a bonus system, which simply relates to the success that you've had in the past year in actually generating income and profit for your client is is reflective of what you will gain at the end of the day. It's highly competitive and thus you need to be just that much more focused than your colleagues mm-hmm. and more available than your colleagues and that in itself takes a very high toll on your time and your own life experiences as it were. It all tends to be rather narrowly focused on work. So even though you're making a lot of money, uh, you don't really have the opportunity to enjoy the money or to, or, or to uh, spend it. Oh, quite. I, I can, from personal experience, say that, yes, if you put in the hours and you give that commitment, which is a rather extreme uh, level of commitment, you do see the financial benefit, clearly so, and, and more so than in any other profession I'm aware of. But in order to survive in that industry, you cannot actually ever take time off to enjoy that. And hence, you become very goal-oriented and, and with, with a view to the financial benefit. And you find that as those goals do come up and are achieved, you simply fall into the next little list of to-dos and goals to be achieved. And time passes very rapidly and never do you actually have the time to have any benefit or time, very importantly, to enjoy anything that you might have gained from from your employment mm-hmm. well let's take a break for a song and I'm, I'm trying to think of songs that will complement your testimony Edwin and um, this song springs to mind from Philip Johnson Philip is still writing and producing great songs but this one is over 30 years old so it's an oldie goldie for sure the song is called Successful Men sad, sad story The successful men Whose wealth and glories All lost in the end Oh, they get that money And they get that power And they keep on running Till the final hour When they hear the sound And they look around And they see their towers Fall into the ground And they say Lord, Lord, I should have realized I got that money just a little too close to my eyes 
Lord, I can't say I didn't know. I gained the world, but I went and sold my soul. What a sad, sad story. The successful men whose wealth and glory is all lost in the end. Oh, they play that game just to make a name. And they live in fame, but they die in flames when they hear the sound. And they look around, and they see their towers falling to the ground. And they say, Lord, Lord, I should have realized I got that money just a little too close to my eyes. Lord, I can't say I didn't know. I gained the world, but I went and sold my soul. Treasures and worldly wealth that worms eat and thieves steal. Put your faith in something real. Set your heart on things above, eternal life and heaven's love. And upon that judgment day, you won't be heard to say, You won't be heard to say, Lord, Lord, I should have realized. I got that money just a little too close to my eyes. Oh Lord, Lord, I can't say I didn't know. I gained the world, but I went and sold my soul. I gained the world, but I went and sold my soul. I gained the world, but I went and sold my Goldie there from one of my favourite songwriters uh, that's uh, Philip Johnson and the song called Successful Men and we have on Nightlight tonight a successful man in the world of banking, someone who is personal friends with many of this world's most successful business leaders and top financiers someone who at a relatively young age reached the zenith of his career, made a lot of money and I'm sure would be the envy of many of our listeners Edwin, how long did it take for you to get your fill of worldly success before you realized that this was not the ultimate of what you wanted to do with your life? I think there are several factors that, that, not just me, but I think we as, as, as workers in the world all face. Uh, I, was, I was very lucky initially, and, and I think today I have to admit also that the Lord stood by me and actually granted me my wishes as they were. I, I took the time to make a choice which clearly focused me on the world of commerce and my time was committed to that. And the wishes I had were all fulfilled. The hopes for success in whatever way you measure that, be it seniority or financial gain, were granted and I achieved those. And I think very much because of that, I was given a very good opportunity to make a informed judgment as it were I, I as I said I worked in the sector focusedly in the sector for 11 years and I would think for the first few years two three years the excitement was extreme there was lots of new experiences the time was limited 
and and one felt quite good. I started this when I was in my late late twenties, twenty nine, and at that age, I think you are still very focused, very driven, and and very happy if you achieve what you consider to be life goals. And I did, and yes, I was very very happy and and, and excited. But what I did find early on was that the goals that you set yourself were all actually just one and the same. They all related to doing better than the previous quarter or the previous half year or the previous year and therefore really just working harder and making more money because the goals really have no other impact but financially and hence you find that the goals really all relate to position and income and so as and when you achieve those goals and you set your sights on the next one and then the next one and so forth you found that nothing really was to be gained from it but probably the expectation of your own employer who, who wished for you to do well and the necessity for you to do well and that made me aware that this was supposedly the, the thing, the dream I had that would fulfill me as a human being would give purpose to my life would give me a sense of self and a sense of respect and a sense of achievement but of course that didn't really happen you merely ticked off the, the box as it were as you went along and so quite early on, I think, before, let's say, in the first half of my 10, 11-year tenure as a banker, I, I was aware that there was very little to be gained over and above the money. But I think also as a, as a human being, and I found that true for myself, one rationalizes your decisions. You, you, you don't find it easy to admit defeat, as it were, or admit a mistake. You'd rather maybe say that, the reason for my discontent is maybe simply that I haven't achieved all I can or should. And so let's try harder and focus even more and put in even more time, which I did for a good few years after that. And then very much in the last, I would think, two years of my, my time in London, I became very much aware that there was simply no fulfillment. There was simply no integral value to what I did. It was a service provided on a commercial level which is necessary I, I'm sure in the commercial world but you are simply a, a cog in a machine if you get joy from that that I guess is, is, is encouraging and for myself it, it did not at all and I started withdrawing very much I think on a professional level I started focusing very much on doing the work as it needed to get done uh, spend time with colleagues and clients only very much as it needed to get done and, and not the old networking commitment that one had and then yes towards the end of the 11 year period very much I, I reached a point where I realized irrespective of whatever goals I supposedly set myself those would not achieve any more than what I had achieved they would be a repetition of that and that clearly was not where my fulfillment as a person was going to be Admittedly, I didn't know where it was at that time, what the alternative would be. And so I slowly started to withdraw. I, st I moved back to South Africa. I worked for a bank in South Africa for quite a short period of time, several months only, and then moved out into a consultancy position, working for myself very much. And I think all of this was consciously done to move slightly away from the sector. Mm -hmm. The problem being that you do feel caught up a bit because this is where your skills lie. This is where your commitment mm -hmm. has been. This is where you're most easily employed because mm -hmm. you have some value there, I guess. And But there was that move away. And then very much with that became a feeling of isolation, of very much uncertainty and, and 
over and above actually isolating myself somewhat professionally and as I said in a sense doing only what was necessary I also started to withdraw personally and emotionally and really spend a lot of time by myself in a, in a way I guess to find or even understand the question maybe before you try and find mm -hmm. the answer because I was really and truly in that sense lost because I placed my whole life and my whole fulfillment on yes achieving certain things being a banker and doing well and having the respect of, of my peers and that having happened without any benefits as it were and without any gain left me completely unaware as to where the answer would be mm. at that time interesting mm. so so what happened that changed your life and brought you to God or maybe brought you back to God were you brought up in a Christian family did you did you know the Lord as a child well yes in the first place very much to answer the question I, I did grow up in well, I guess we would define a Christian family I went to church I was exposed to the Word of God I was quite young and and I think had no real commitment in, in all honesty so I was aware of the Bible I, I have always believed that there is a God so I've never moved away from God, let's say, in a very negative manner, but there was a great deal of avoidance and disinterest. And as I grew older, that, of course, fed on itself in a way, and I became even more disinterested and, and very mild in my commitment, if one can put it in such a nice fashion. And then, yes, once I'd moved to university and, and the bug of studying and qualifications and learning and profession came, I turned very much my back on God in, in all respects. And my, my God became my work, my success, my money. That was what would give me fulfillment. And so contact initially was lightweight at best without any true commitment. And then really slowly, slowly died away to a point where I guess there was merely an awareness of God as as the entity that Christians believe in and nothing really more than that mm. and then even as I said when I moved away very much out of my chosen profession because of my disillusionment with where I was I still didn't have a clear understanding or clear focus at all that I would turn to God I guess in the beginning my, my thoughts logically were what other profession do I turn to because this one clearly isn't working there should be another one and that took I think several months to work through in my own mind with people I knew well looking at the environment I was working and living in that that clearly wasn't the answer this was more nitpicking than solving any problems and my my actual path back to to God and and my conversion as it were my being born again was was very quick was really a, a flash in the dark was extremely quick happened effectively in the space of a day mm -hmm. and yes uh, over and above that was absolute it, it was in as much as i'm very much a child in, in my faith and and there are lots of holes i would think also in my knowledge of the word of god my conversion and my commitment to to the lord was instantaneous and absolute mm -hmm. which I think under the circumstances was the most unexpected path probably to that that I could have um, expected uh, to and on my way back to, to to the Lord so how long have you have you known the Lord now in this personal way this has really been quite short it's approximately two months 
Um, so yes, very, very new. The the positive sign in that short period, I guess, is is also that in that short period, my understanding and my commitment and my love has grown because of the way I've experienced the Lord in my life. I think because of the fact that I'm aware that I had this very evasive nature before and no commitment. So at best I could have been ex- uh, described as a cynical person before and I think therefore I would not have easily believed such a commitment to be quite expected. And and in the light thereof it was extreme but it was also extremely comfortable, extremely welcoming and and when the message became clear, which it did with great suddenty, I guess if you want to call it that, and also great clarity, uh, I found myself at home very much. And then the next two months, in the past two months then, have been astonishing if, if very much for the fact that Jesus has shown me such awareness and such friendship in being a aware of my concerns and addressing and answering my questions and leading me forward in the past two months and and the difference in living and experiencing life and everyday life around me the difference in experiencing people and the care one has and the joy and fulfillment you get out of that has been the true antithesis of what i had before Mm -hmm. the the exact opposite Mm -hmm. and and in that clearly what i was looking for all along Uh, and so as it's been so fulfilling and and comfortable and well suited as it were to all my questions so specifically how did it come about what were the circumstances well that 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 in itself is is a tale of i guess many parts personally but it came about very much because of someone i met uh, on on a given night in november of of last year Mm -hmm. Uh, i met tina uh, and really just noticed her in passing it would be as, as I guess under normal circumstances a man would notice a woman and introduced myself and we spent several hours chatting that evening I became aware that she is with the family a missionary in South Africa and inevitably the discussion turned towards what that entailed and that very quickly turned into her witnessing to me about her experiences as a missionary her love of God her love of what she does her love of interacting with people and how she sees that love both for God and for man around her and how she lives that out in her own life and that witnessing very much and that being witness to the way she expressed herself and carried herself as a Christian and and really understanding how she was living close to the Lord and the joy of what I've become aware of and experienced as, as the as the backing, as the support of the Holy Spirit, really just very much instantaneously opened my eyes and opened my ears and had me listen. And listening suddenly, maybe for the first time in my life, I found the words to ring very true, to address my concerns, address my uncertainties, address all the lacks I had in my life, all the open spots and empty holes that there have been, as it were. And we have very much since then she's been my spiritual guide through this and 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 pointing out as it were the road and in the relationship that she opened for me with 
with Jesus very much immediately. I suddenly became comfortable to question, ask, and really stand back and, and listen, and found it incredible that the answers were forthcoming. But yes, to answer the question, I guess again, or just to go back to the beginning of that, it was through the witnessing of, of Tina that I met, and that really, very much overnight, brought me back to the, to the Lord. Edwin, I want to ask you more about the circumstances in which you met Tina, because it was quite unusual, may even raise the eyebrows of some of our more conservative listeners. But first, let's break for a song. Here's something new from Ray Brannan, the story of what happened to him one Friday night. I first saw her down at Charlie's place One Friday night This gorgeous woman sitting all alone Just didn't seem right I pulled up a chair And asked if I could sit down She said, I've been wondering for a while now If you might be coming around Well, I must have looked surprised So she said, I saw you when you first came in Checking out the ladies And uh, laughing with your friends Still a little kiss <laughs> If I got the chance She said she'd love to dance But first she had something to tell me With the voice as soft As an angel she began Saying, now I don't want to lead you on Yes, I feel you should understand For me there's got to be more than just the physical between a woman and a man So I'll tell you the same as the other guys Who sat in that chair I'm not looking for a one night stand I could find that anywhere My heart is searching for a soulmate Now I know this is a surprise But I hunger for someone who sees much deeper than these big blue eyes Blue eyes Blue eyes Blue eyes Blue
a shock, you know But I knew I'd found a jewel From that very moment I felt a full skill anew It's plain to see I've got a lot to learn But I'm ready and I'm willing Hoping I can fill that spot in her heart Is how I am now feeling have ever thought that night I would discover someone so different from the crowd and such a marvelous treasure blue eyes blue testimony of Edwan, former top banker who recently met Tina Yamaguchi, who used to work with us here at Radio Active Productions, uh, met under quite unusual circumstances. I actually met her in a restaurant where I was a guest with some clients and, and she was actually providing a show in the evening as a belly dancer, <laughs> which, yes, uh, I think even raised a small grin on my face when I subsequently started speaking to her and, and found her to be a missionary who uses the belly dancing as one way of, yes, both doing some fundraising and also, of course, uh, in, in having contact with people, having the opportunity to minister to people, having the opportunity to witness to people. Well, this is quite a unique ministry. Uh, you don't hear of many missionary belly dancers. No, I think the, 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 the impression I think a lot of people might have is that the performing arts as such um, is not necessarily always you know, the... the, the proven or best known route but that it is truly effective I think in the first place can be deduced from my own from my own coming home as it were and also in what I've seen in the past two months how effective this truly is and and I've actually also gained from the experience by using even Tina's performances myself to approach people during shows and 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 explain to them as as an opening statement what she actually does as a chosen profession, I guess, if you call it that, and then to take the opportunity to, to witness to them and introduce her to them, and she would in, in turn, of course, uh, witness as well. So it actually helps you to reach a whole class of people who wouldn't necessarily go near a church. Oh, very much, very much. And I think, if in, in a way, jumping about on that and, and taking my own experience from that as well, uh, growing up as a, as a young boy, I found church quite intimidating frightening actually and and that might be because of the way the message was 
carried across in the specific church or being young, my own understanding. But the fact remains, and I think I've found that to be very true of a lot of people I've spoken to, that seem to have the same experience of the church in a lot of cases, and I'm not being denominational per se, just using the general principle of, of the more formal church structure, excuse me, where the church is quite condemning and portrays God as quite vengeful himself in, in the case of your non-compliance, if one wants to use that term. And as a Christian, uh, it's quite obvious that as humans we will never be without sin and without fault. And with that understanding that one will always tend to overstep the bounds, make a mistake, make an error in judgment or sin outright, it became quite frightening to consider even trying to be a Christian because the message was such one of trying to conform. And I think, again, when one looks at what Tina does, one of the things she does being the belly dancing, and how that opens people up to approach her, to talk to her, how that in turn makes them quite accessible to the idea of her doing missionary work, and then with a message that she brings, which I truly believe to be the true message of God, which is simply the love of God, the fact that if you invite Jesus into your life, he comes into your life, you're born again, and he's there. Mm -hmm. He will not turn around, he will not walk away, and I've seen that in my own life, how he's persisted in trying to find me after 42 years and eventually succeeded. So I think the message she shares and the way she goes about that has proven to be extremely positive and I guess in a way, if one thinks about it, beyond the normal first response of surprise, she actually does something which shows the beauty of humans and how they can express their art and their own talents, which is very much what we've all been asked to do by the Lord, is explore the talents He's given us. And she's doing that clearly to the glory of the Lord and finding it an exceptionally effective way and, and loving and accessible way to witness mm. to others. Edwin, how has your concept of God changed through these recent experiences? How is your understanding of God different than it was before? I think tremendously differently. As, as I mentioned, I found God to be vengeful, watchful, and rather fearsome in, in, in the way he perceived his own children. And, and we had to perform very much, maintain a level of of, of commitment and, uh, and, and steer clear of, of sin, which was quite impossible. So it made the whole concept of being a Christian rather daunting, if not actually quite close to impossible. And what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've seen first and foremost is through Tina and then through the family and, and all those I've been exposed to through the family is that God indeed, the message is very simple. God is love. We love God. We love those around us, our neighbor, if one wants to use that term, you can find a home in, in the Lord by simply asking Jesus to come into your life and to be born again. And to be a Christian requires nothing more than exactly loving God and loving your neighbor and asking the questions of Jesus when there is doubt. The Holy Spirit comes to bolden us up as it were when, when, when the opportunity is there Jesus answers our questions and, and makes sure that our message gets across as it were when we pray and ask for assistance and thus it's my experience of God today and of God and Jesus and the way the Holy Spirit also works through is, is maybe not 
perfectly so described, but maybe best described as a as a friendship, really, where the love of God, the assistance of Jesus, and these, and the, the assistance of the Holy Spirit is at your beck and call, really. God commits Himself to stand by you. God commits Himself to help you when you walk in His in His love, and thus it is not a question of jumping through the hoops, attaining certain levels of correctness, mm-hmm. and not upsetting the Lord, which is the original picture I had, but truly one of of a homecoming where you love the Lord, and through that love and the love you show others, which is again born because of your love for Him. You have a home where He treasures you and looks after you and provides for you and stands by you and actually assists and holds your hand through life. So it's a it's it's gone from a rather daunting and maybe quite negative picture to a very loving, very accepting, and in a way very easy relationship. Because my personal experience has been, and this is just the way I see it personally, and it's maybe also a consequence of the way I was raised and the work I've done in my life. I, I really find that God makes it rather easy on us to be Christians. Mm-hmm. He puts in so much more effort on a day-to-day basis to stand by us and to guide us and to assist us and really just asks us to love Him and others. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Edwin, you've been a highly successful banker. You've achieved your life goals in that regard. Now that you've had this life change, what are your goals for the future or are they still undefined? I think my, my first, not concern, but my first question when, when I found the Lord was, so why the first 42 years? What now? What is my use, as it were, I think, Again, a maybe knee-jerk reaction of my previous life. Where do you fit in? How do you add value? And yes, my first concern, as I mentioned, was, so why the first 42 years? Why did I go off on an apparent tangent of something that gave no value, only then to stop in my tracks, realize that the choices made were not the best for me, and then find the Lord? But now, where to? And again... In, in that process of trying to figure out the question, I have been helped so much and taught so much by those in the family and in my own awareness and, and attempts to learn and, and understand the way of the Lord that I asked the question. And it became very clear very quickly that indeed there was a very simple answer. And that being that through my work I have made substantial contacts I have lots of souls I could speak to. I have lots of heads and ears I can talk to, be that A, on a spiritual level, to, to minister to people, to witness to people, and then also to in assisting the best way I can in the work of the Lord is to use those contacts and to carry the message to them and to see what benefit and assistance they can provide going forward. So it is, again, as one might in your own way have doubt immediately when the question is asked, the answers become apparent and, and clearly the Lord finds a use for any and every one of his children and I have found mine. So 
in the new year my aim very much is to focus my time I I will move even further away from my profession as it were I'll do this very much part-time uh, as, as merely a consequence of your daily necessities but my time and effort and focus will be to to minister to those I have met in my life and to use them through the message of the Lord in mm-hmm. assisting in the work of the family the work mm-hmm. of of God in in the continent very much mm-hmm. and that is where I see foreseeably my path going in the next so in the next mm-hmm. year then you know it's said that the most gospel neglected class of people are the rich and the powerful because missionaries and ordinary Christians are often scared uh, to witness to them Edwin, do you feel that the Lord is calling you to reach out to these bankers and corporate heads and business leaders as it seems that you are uniquely equipped to do so? I, I would like to think so. And I think that's been shown to me to, mm-hmm. to very much be the case. And I think, as you say, there is a perception maybe because of, well, it's maybe a perception based on another perception. There's the perception that those with money and wealth and status are by implication happy or content mm-hmm. I think to the extent I fall within that group and had contact with that group very much that is not the case mm-hmm. we, we all find ourselves at times in a position where we do query and question what we do whether we all come to the same conclusion is another matter altogether but clearly those even in positions of wealth and, and power have questions have uncertainties have doubts and have fears but yes, they're not easy to approach. They, they build their own persona, they build their own world, and they're quite well protected by virtue, again, of their wealth and their status. And clearly, the one benefit I've had through, in all in all, throughout my life, even before being a banker and, and, and the other work I've done of approximately 20 years of exposure, is that I can get myself, or get my foot in the door, so to speak. I can get to sit in front of these people I trust and believe that they've known me for some 10 to 20 years and trust me as an advisor and hopefully to build on that relationship clearly then and bringing the message across which by no special treat or ability of my own but by virtue of the path that I've walked in my life would hopefully give some authenticity mm-hmm. to, to what has happened in my own life. Mm. And I also believe through merely ministering to them, to witnessing to them, and then maybe getting them to assist in the work of the Lord, Mm. that would at the very least be a first step on a road that one can walk with them Mm. going forward to grow that relationship they have with the Lord. Because I think there is very much a need to find the meaning of what is happening daily Mm. to them as well. I think clearly and understandably if one looks at the disenchanted and the disenfranchised and the poor and the suffering in, in terrible conditions, there is, a, of course, a need to assist and stand by and, and, and do the work of the Lord and, and bring the word of the Lord to those people. But I think one might be sometimes mistaken for seeing the obvious comfort of, of the wealthy as so much more mm. beneficial than it really is. Mm. It truly is only money. Mm. And in my own life, I, I had that experience where we effectively place money as the end instead of understanding that at best it's a means to an end. Mm. Money in itself is no evil, I believe, but it's maybe your commitment and your obsession with it mm. that would drive you away from 
where there's value in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think those that are in that position where they have the money, mm. they've obtained it and they have the status that goes with that, find that if the money is not there to be used to a greater purpose or to an extent that gives them joy and fulfillment and reaches out to others as well, it is truly a dead thing that adds no value but to cause concern. And as in my own life, I found money to be merely, at best, the means to an end that mm. can assist in achieving so much. Though there are so many of those that have that exact same mm. uh, awareness now, and and to that extent, to the fact that and to the point that one knows this, and that I've lived that life and lived in that environment, I think it, I will find it easier than so many others to reach mm. out to people and and in greater transparency you know, broach the subject as it were and, mm. and talk and I think that clearly also with the other benefits that come with it has been the reason why life has gone the way it has because mm. the, the value and the benefit now of what's happened before is becoming clear and it is fitting into a space in my life where there is a greater benefit and a glorious benefit in using what I've known or come to know before mm.
That's Haven Sutton, a song called Dare. How about you, dear listener? Will you dare to reach out to someone who may desperately need Jesus, even though it may seem that they're extremely successful in worldly terms? Edwin, you were telling me earlier that you were initially quite fearful of the thought of sharing your newfound faith with others, but then you found it was easier than you thought. Yes, I think, again, as uh, referring back to what I mentioned earlier, that being, I think, if one wants to call it that, a, a recent Christian, a recent uh, born-again Christian, there were doubts and there was concern that my my knowledge of the Lord, the Word of God, the Bible as it stands, was rather lacking, and still is, and as much as I'm trying to change that, it does take time. And for that purpose, I was scared to stand up and witness in the fear that I could be asked questions I could not answer, and could not answer not because of any lack or any problem in the faith I have, but merely in properly describing and defending and then as it were in, in one's own mind and again through through thought and through prayer and through the guidance of, of Tina again I was made aware very much that what is asked of you when you witness is to do exactly that is to tell your story is not to go out there prepared to battle questions and queries but to tell the story in honesty and truthfulness and have people understand that exactly and no more per se and very shortly after this initial wave of uncertainty, I was placed on the spot, as it were, to witness two people and found it extremely easy and found people to have a real need to understand that there is that relationship with God and that it really is as simple as it sounds in finding God, is, is opening your heart, listening and accepting the message that comes with that. And so in the past few weeks, I've on several occasions had opportunity to witness and I have personally also had the benefit and, and the astonishing experience of experiencing the backing, the support, the courage given to you through the working of the Holy Spirit where I have approached people on seemingly unsolicited grounds and for without any reason but where there was a mere awareness that these might be people that had basis uh, for some assistance and, and some care being shown and truly witnessing comes down very much to telling your story and, and that suffices very much because it tells all that's needed to know Well our time is almost up but in closing uh, Edwin as someone who's been there and done that any advice that you would like to give, say, to some young person listening who is just starting out in life? I actually have a rather silly little saying that I was reminded of just yesterday, which, which I found to be very true since meeting the Lord, which, and I must be forgiven for not knowing who quipped this first, but someone said that life is more than the accumulation of the number of breaths we take, but truly is made up of those moments that leave us breathless. And I had a life that I pushed so many breaths into as I could humanly do and kept at it, and it didn't bring anything. And the moment I stopped, listened, and was caught breathless, my life changed. And that is what the Lord does for all of us. In each way, 
that fulfills each of us as a person, as an individual fully. And I think it is truly, truly there for all of us. The light is always on with Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. And thanks so much to Edwin for sharing his testimony with us on Nightlight. If you'd like to download your own copy of this program or any other of the over 130 international Nightlight shows, you can visit our website at www.radioact.org. That's it for this time. Be sure you join me again next time for another international Nightlight show. Bye-bye.